ahead and give you the three places that we're going to be in tonight. We're going to be in Revelations 2. We're going to be in Romans 10. And uh, we're going to touch down a little bit in Ephesians 4. So Revelations 2, Romans chapter 10, and uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And this is the fourth week of a teaching series that we've been in called We Are Soma. And what we've been doing is we've been emphasizing the importance, the significance, and really the power of the body of Christ. And when I say the body of Christ, I really mean two things. I mean the body of Christ at large. How many of you know that the believers of Yeshua, the followers of Jesus Christ, are spread out all over this earth? How many of you know that? Okay? So we're emphasizing that, the big picture, what I've called uh, last week the macro body of Christ. But we're also focusing on um, the micro, which is the local expression of the overall body of Christ, the church, okay, the local church. Soma is a local expression of the overall body of Christ. One of the things that we are wanting to, to focus on and help with is to uh, counteract a growing philosophy, uh, even within the body of Christ, the macro, a disdain against the micro, a disdain against the church, a disgruntledness, uh, a walking away from, a, uh, even, even uh, um, an attacking or an assault against the church and against leaders and against things like that. You may not see that as much, or maybe you do, because um, books and blogs are full of that stuff. How many of you have seen books for sale or read, come across blogs that have just really assaulting the church. Raise your hand. I thought about this this week, and it reminds me of something that Cynthia Cheney um, and Melissa, my wife, were talking about, about how um, the church is Jesus' wife. You ever thought about that? Right? The church, the body of Christ, is the bride of Christ. You guys know what I'm talking about? So in essence, the church is the bride of Christ, is the wife of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, husbands in the room, but when somebody so much it looks at my wife wrong, I come unglued. How many of you guys are like that? You men? You're like, no, you can look at her if you want. Not me, man. Somebody wants to look at my wife. I don't, my wife, is she here? No, she's with the kids. She could verify how many, she would tell you how many times I would walk up to a man whose eyes just were lingering too long. You know what I'm talking about? And I say, you like my wife? Oh, what, what? I'm just saying, it looks like you really like my wife. This is my wife, Melissa. Do you like her? Did you want to talk to her? You think I'm joking? (laughs) If she were here, she'd be really embarrassed right now. My point is that Jesus loves his bride way more than I even love my bride. And if I'm going to go to town on someone that's three feet taller than me for looking at my wife, then imagine what the Lord is willing to do for his church, for his bride. He loves his church. And when we speak against, come against, assault his bride, the church. The the church, this church, is the bride of Christ. Green Acres Baptist, Rose Heights, Tyler Christian Fellowship that meets here in the morning is the wife of Jesus. Amen? And the people in it. And he gets pretty passionate, pretty strong. And he 
she'll come against somebody that comes against her. Think back to, what is it, Zechariah? Before I'm way off my notes. But think about, back to Zechariah when the, it says that, the, that Joshua, the high priest, stood before the Lord and the enemy was right there at his right side accusing him. Because he had been dirty, he had been bad, he had been this. He had failed, he had fallen short. He had fallen short. And Jesus is like, well, actually the angel of the Lord said, uh, the Lord rebuke you. <laughs> rebuke the enemy. And God said, Did, do you not think, I don't know the condition of this person here. I understand that he's a little scarred and a little charred. Actually, if you read in context. He said, you shut your mouth and somebody go get this fellow a new robe. Amen? A clean robe. Because this is my bride. This is my son. This is my daughter. Anyway, I'm way off my notes. But I'm just telling you, Jesus loves his church. And we've got to love his church. Amen? I want to start tonight by painting some pictures. If you want to write the sermon title down, you can write the feet. We've talked about the head. We've talked about the heart. We've talked about the hands last week. And tonight I want to talk about the feet. And the way that I want to get there, oddly enough, is Revelations chapter 2. So go ahead and turn to Revelations 2. And you'll see why I'm going to pick Revelations to, to, to teach this concept. In Revelations chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 1, it's, it's, it's red letters, so we know Jesus is talking. And it says, to the angel of the church, everybody say the church, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write... Okay, so what's going on here, if you back up to chapter 1, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things that which must take place. In other words, in the future, in the end days. And uh, he gave it to Jesus to show John. So God is offering to bring a revelation to John, to show him something. And if you look in verse 4, it says, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia. So who he's supposed to deliver this revelation or this message to or this book, this thing he's going to write down, are to seven churches in the church of Asia. And if you look down at verse 11, it tells you what those churches are called. Um, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. There's seven churches here. And I tell you, there's, there's actually more churches in that area, okay, which would be modern-day Turkey. There's more churches in that area. Bible scholars have debated for a long time why these particular seven churches, and there's all kinds of theories and reasons why. But one of the things that most Bible teachers agree on, and I agree, is that the reason he lays out, it's not as much about the churches that he lays out as the number of churches, because there's seven of them. And what do we know that the number seven represents in Scripture? Perfection, completeness, or you can even look at it this, at this way, uh, wholeness. What I want you to write down is for the church, every church, the whole picture. So this message, what we're hearing today is for Soma Church, Green Acres, is for Tyler Christian Fellowship, it's for whatever church, if you're visiting, maybe you go to another church, it's for that church, okay? He says, he starts out with the first church, he lists, he, lists, he says, to the angel of the church, in Ephesus, write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. And I wish I had time to break more of this down. But just earlier, he talks about, well, maybe I'll read it. 
verse 20. It says, as for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And that word angel actually means messenger. And there's a big debate, even not debate, but just uh, trying to figure out, does angel mean um, like a divine angel, an angelic being? Because this is also a word that is used for messenger. Like it could be just the messenger. So I'm holding the messenger for this church. A lot of Bible teachers believe that that's talking about the pastors of the church of Ephesus and Sardis and Philadelphia. Okay, so we don't know for sure, but it could be the, the pastor or the main leader, lead elder of that church, or it could be an angelic being that is somehow assigned by God to watch over, look, and communicate his heart um, to the leaders, the eldership there of the church. But he says that the one who holds, Jesus, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and if it's in his right hand, then what that is symbolizing is the authority that belongs to that church. He goes on to say, and the seven golden lampstands, these are the seven churches. He says, and later right here, he says, those who walks among the seven golden lampstands. So you see two things. You see the stars that are in his right hand and that he walks among these seven lampstands. Again, both of these point to there is an authority, a power and authority that the stars, the messengers, whether it's human or divinely angelic, has and Jesus himself walks in the midst of it. There's a power and authority that this has. So to the angel, messenger of the church in Ephesus, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, real quick, just say lampstands, and grab it. It came out of your mouth, grab it before it gets away. And put it up on the shelf. Come on, put it up on the shelf. And we're gonna come back to that. In verse 2, this is what we're going to focus on, this section. I know your deeds. I know your toil and your perseverance, that you cannot tolerate evil men. You put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they're not. You have found them to be false. You have persevered, and you have endured for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. How many of you know that that is an applaud from Jesus. You gotta know that because something's coming that's not quite an applaud. But he starts by applauding them. You guys have done some really good things, okay? It's important to know that. The next thing he says is, but this I have against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen. Some of your versions say, remember the height from which you have fallen. Or else I am coming to you and I will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. And I want to pause right there because this is going to set us up for what I believe the Lord wants to speak to us as it relates to his feet, the body of Christ being his feet. He says, I have this against you that you have left your first love. He says you have left your first love love and it's like okay it can't be the lord himself because he just applauded them you guys see that yeah you did this i'm proud of you you did this you persevered good job this is what i do have against you you've left your first love he's not saying you've, you've so much left me but what you've left is the passion passion in which you pursue me and walk with me and follow me you could almost say it this way you've lost the way you loved me 
at first. You guys see that? One of the ways we know that that's what he's talking about is what he says next. He says, therefore, remember from where you have fallen. And I thought about this. I thought about the way that I loved my wife (laughs) at first. We were 17. She looked good. I had a mullet. So I look good, you know. You know, it's true. It is debatable. But I can remember when Melissa and I started going out. I mean, she was, to me, like she was it. And I had to tell everybody, okay? I I wanted everybody to know that I remember whenever I came home and I said, I've got a date tonight. My mom, stepmom was like, oh, cool, you know. And she said, with who? And I said, with Melissa Slayton. She's like, well. <laughs> I was like, I know, I know. Because it, you know, it was way above my pay grade, okay? <laughs> way above. But do you guys remember that? Some of, you, some of you that go way back, okay? You know, myself, maybe people like, you know, Stephen Cook. And some of you guys, I don't know. Some of us that are of the older persuasion, you know? 30 and above, I don't know. You remember how we, used to exp- how we used to kind of define that whole relationship? Like even all the way back in the 50s and 60s, they used to wear their letter, letter sweaters. You guys remember that? The girl would wear the guy's letter sweater. You guys remember that? How many of you wore your man's letter jacket or your letter sweater? Did you, see, I caught it, didn't I? I caught it. I knew it. You still have it? I remember Melissa, Melissa would wear my letter jacket. And dude, I was like, oh, because her having, you know, my letter jacket meant... Uh-huh. Okay? And so we had a, or, or, and, you know, kind of later it was promise rings. You guys remember promise rings? How many of you had a promise ring from some boy or, you know, that says, I belong to him or whatever? And these days it's, it's all Facebook, you know? You see on Facebook <laughs> in a relationship. You know, you, the point is, is that you herald that you belong to this relationship, that you are in this thing. There's this good thing that you declare. You know, another way of saying that making it known, making this good thing known is you, you preach it. One way or the other, you preach it. And that's what he's talking about here. This thing I have against you, you've left your first love. Therefore, remember the height from which you've fallen. There was a day when you were on cloud nine with me, just like I was on cloud nine with Melissa. And some of you guys felt that way and hopefully still feel that way about your husband or about your wife. You were on cloud nine. He says, remember the height from which you've fallen because I used to be way up here and you used to tell everybody about me. Remember the height from which you have fallen. He says, repent. And we know that means to change. Change your heart. Change your mind. Change inside so the outside will change. And do the deeds you did at first. Now, come on saying, do the things that you used to do at first. And we want to kind of lock that into prayer. Pray the way you did at first and worship the way you did it. And it certainly does, but these guys were doing that stuff. They were having church, weren't they? Yes, and he's, I love the way you have church. Here's my problem. You don't preach me anymore. Maybe within the church, but I think he's talking about outside of the church. You don't herald the good news. You don't declare it. You don't preach it to the world anymore. And how many of you know the church, that is an area where they have fallen short, preaching the gospel at all, sometimes within the walls, but certainly outside of the walls. 
just taking the good news, that thing that we love so much, we're so excited about when we first got saved. I remember when I first got saved, I just, I couldn't believe it. There's something that had changed inside of me. It's not like I stood on the street corners or anything, but everybody, I talked to everybody. I lost a lot of my friends because it, oh, okay, now you're doing that thing. It's like, yeah, I am. This is what he's talking about, preaching the gospel, preaching the good news. Everybody say, preaching. I want you to turn really quick to Romans 10. I think we forget that preaching is a job description that belongs to the body of Christ. It belongs to the church. Certainly the body of Christ as in every member of the church, but it is a responsibility of the church. Starting in verse 8, Romans 10, verse 8, says, what does it say? The word is near you. It says, in your mouth, in your heart, the word. And then the word meaning, that is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Verse 11 says, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. (laughs) For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. There's a specific thing that's going on there. God making the two opposing one new man. They are no longer at enmity with one another, Jews and Greeks, or Jews and Gentiles. It says, for the same Lord is Lord of all. And that's the same kind of verbiage that we see in in, uh, Ephesians 4 when it says one God, one faith, one body, um, one Father, one Lord over all who is in all. You guys, it's the same kind of language speaking there. And then it says this, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So this is talking about Bringing people to the Lord. Offering them the good news. But then look at 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a what? Somebody tell me. Without a preacher. Without someone to herald. Without someone to declare without someone to make known. But look what it says here. How will they preach unless they are sent? Okay, I just have a question for you. Where are they going to be sent from? Somebody tell me. Where is the preacher supposed to be sent from? And real quick, before you answer that question, don't get hung up on the word preacher. Some of you think preacher and you think me. I'm not a preacher. I'm a pastor. And I'm a teacher of the word of God. And I'm a preacher when I preach, when I herald, when I declare. But so are you, right? Is that, uh, we, uh, we are clear on that, right? If not, 
And we're going to address this, at, and we're going to come back to Revelations 2 in a minute. I'm not the only preacher. Well, you know, our preacher. It's funny that that's what they call pastors forever. Well, our preacher. Look, who are you talking about? Oh, your pastor. Oh, your lead elder. Oh, I see what you're problem is that we're, we forget that we're all preachers. We all carry the good news. We are all heralds. Does that make sense? How will they preach unless they are sent? Now, let me ask, let's answer that question. Where are they sent from? If you're a preacher, where are you to be sent from? The church. Equipped to know and to bring the good news. Turn to Ephesians 4 just really quick. And just let me show you. And we, we already covered that. It's the other way. We already covered that a couple of weeks ago. But just to be reminded. In Ephesians chapter 4. Starting in verse uh, 12. But let's back up to verse 11. And he gave some as apostles. Some as prophets. Some as evangelists. Some as pastors. and Some as teachers. There's another list in 1 Corinthians 12, if you'll remember. It goes on and talks about people who have administrative gifts, those who heal people. There's all kinds of gifts. He lays out five here. But here's why they give those. And in, in fact, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, I think it's verse 20, it says, you are the body of Christ. Um, you are Christ's body. And many members of it. And then the next thing it says... To the church he has given, and he lists another list just like this. Where did he, who did he give these gifts, these roles, these, these offices to? The church. Here in Ephesians 4, he says he gives these things to the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service or the work of ministry. You guys got to see this. In Romans, says, in Romans 10, it says, how are they going to hear? Or how are they going to preach unless they are sent? It is the church's job, responsibility, to build up and equip the saints, the people, for the works of the ministry. And what what is happening is that that is not happening as much. And what happens is because it's not happening, that's one of the failures of the fallen short that the church has. And we, we really... Um, are are frustrated with leaders and pastors and and stuff like that because they're not doing that. But at the same time, I think people are failing to see our responsibility to go and do it ourselves. Because whether a pastor or a teacher or a leader or a prophet or evangelist or a apostle, whether they're doing that and whether those things are happening or not, the responsibility is still on the individual. Yeah, the church could be failing to not send people out. But at the same time, the people have got to know and understand that it's all of our roles to go and preach the gospel. So here in Revelations 2, when he says, this I have against you, have against, write this to the angel or to the messenger of the church. And that could be the pastor. could be someone like me that that's coming to. And I take that very seriously. What if the Lord are writing me a letter and says, I love what you're doing there, man. You guys are having church. Here's what I have against you. What if, it, what, what if I was the angel? I know some of you already think I am. <laughs> you know, but what if it was the human messenger? What if it was? 
how are they going to preach unless they are sent? He gave these roles to the church for the equipping of the saints for the works of service to the building up of the body of Christ, to the building up of the body of Christ. And we know that those are to build up the gifts and the calls and the, and the equipping and the releasing. But I think there is also a level of the increase, the increase of the body of Christ. Not this church or that church, but the increase of the body of Christ. The, the goal is never to grow a church. That's not even our job. That Jesus said, I'm going to do that. You be faithful to do what you do with the equipping. Be faithful to do it. Remember we talked about that. That's the whole focus of this year. Seed time and harvest. Some sow, some water. But who is the one that's responsible for the increase? The Lord. So we don't have to worry about that. But we do sow. We sow the gospel. We sow seeds. We water those seeds. And in, in due time, God's going to bring about the harvest. For the building up of the body of Christ. Not just equipping us in our giftings, but also increasing in the number of people that come into the family of God. Why? Because he's not willing that any should perish. He's got people. He's got his eyes fixed on people. He loves us. And he wants his message. He wants us to, to throw on his letter jacket again. You guys hear what I'm saying? He wants us to put on, put on that promise ring again. Well, we are the bride of Christ. Put on Facebook in a relationship. <laughs> Whatever. Look back at Revelations 2. He said, do this. Go back to the things that you did at first. Put the letter jackets on, people. Herald, declare, preach the gospel or else I'm coming to you and I will remove your lampstand out of its place. So let's go back to that. He saw seven stars in the right hand of Jesus and Jesus walking amongst seven lampstands. And remember what he said? What Jesus said, I'm going to tell you what this mystery. The seven stars are the angels and the seven lampstands are the are the church. Now think about that. The churches are a lampstand. The churches are a beacon. They are a light. They illuminate. They bring light to the darkness. Every church is individual. Again, there's seven, seven lampstands. So it's a picture of the church and the churches. You guys see that? But then he, he hones in on this church, this church, the church at Ephesus. He says this specific thing. This is the thing I have against you, that you've left your first love. Therefore, repent and do the things that you did at first. We talked about that. Declare, or else I'm coming to you, and I'm going to remove your stamp, uh, lamp stand out of its place. And I've heard, <laughs> I've heard someone teach one time that that means that the people are going to lose their salvation. It's like, well, that's not what it's talking about at all. But what it is saying is that church... You can still do the things that you were doing, the whole list that they gave on the, on the front end. Your deeds, your toil, your perseverance. You can, go, you can still do all that. Calling down false prophets, during, for my name's sake, all that. But you can be a church, but you're not going to be an effective one. You guys see that? You will no longer have a light 
that can illuminate that darkness for people. I will take the effectiveness from you. If you don't, go back to the heart that you had at the beginning and begin preaching the gospel. Then you will have no effectivity. You will be going through the motions. My presence will have left your midst. You will be there and I will still be in the center of your discussion, but I will not be in your midst. Your, my lamp, your, uh, your effectivity will be gone. You guys see that? I will remove, how does he say it? I will remove your lampstand out of its place. I will take your effectivity and I will put it somewhere else. Let me just ask you, that's, how many of you would even want that for any church? How many of you know that is happening to a lot of churches? It's happening to a lot of churches. You, know, you go back to Romans 10 and it says, how are they going to preach unless they are sent? And then it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news, who carry the gospel. How beautiful are the feet. We've talked about the head. We've talked about the heart. We've talked about the hands doing stuff, which was you know, mostly kind of in the church. But now we're talking about the feet. God, it's time to go. We had church. Now it's time to go. And where do we go? We are sent outside of these doors, outside of those doors, outside of this parking lot. And we, then we don't shut the valve. We don't put the bushel over the light. No. We're going to let it shine. Right? <laughs> Isn't that right? And if we don't, if we do hide it and we don't let it shine, Jesus says, I will take it from you. And you won't even have the option. Isn't that crazy? But, but, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news. And this is the last week of this series. We've talked about a lot of good things. If you haven't been here, you haven't heard these teachings, these sermons or whatever, you can go back and listen to them on the podcast. They all kind of build to this. Listen, it's not, it's not enough in general and it's not enough for me and I would venture to say this is not enough for many, if not all, in this room. It's not enough to do church. That's what the Ephesians were doing here at the beginning. They were doing church. Listen, the things that, excuse me, the things that he is saying to do at the first, those things aren't just going to happen. He says, repent, change your heart, change your mind, and do the things that you did at first. If we were to pause and just investigate our passion level for the Lord, I mean, think of it in light of that example that I gave. Are we, are we, are we flaunting the Lord's letter jacket anymore? Many believers, maybe even some of us are guilty of shrieking back. I just read another, but I can't remember where I read it, but we've heard that. Don't shrink back. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without ra- wavering. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. For he who promised is faithful. You gotta share the good news. Let me, let me, this, this week, I had an opportunity at my own house with two different contractors that were working on my bathroom to engage in these conversations. And I, I, I just kind of go there. You know, start, and then I always look for the turn. Like, oh, 
And there's a turn. He just opened up a door. Oh, and this little road of encouragement coming. Before I know it, this contractor's telling me about his wife that left him 10 years ago and how he feels utterly alone. Man, how did we get here? He was wondering how we got there. At one point, he's looked at me like, but then he just continued talking, you know? And another guy, another contractor was talking about, we kind of led down that road. He's, by the end of it, he talked about how I used to go to church, but this thing happened, and my family hasn't gone to church ever since that. And it's like, oh, this is a conversation. Somebody is ready to receive. How will they hear unless someone preaches it? How are they going to preach, though, unless they're sent? That's our role. I want to look at one more thing in, in, in Revelations. In verse 7, after he says that, he says, yet this I have, um, I'm sorry, in verse 6, right after he says, I will remove your lampstand, he says again, unless you repent. And look what he fe- says in, in verse 6. It's almost like he's like, look, I, I want to I remind you that I love you. I, I'm applauding you. I only have this one thing against you. I want you to know I'm not mad at you. I don't hate you. I just want you to return. I want you to put my letter jacket back on and flaunt that around. And so the way that he, I think, kind of shows again, I, I love you. Look what he says in verse 6. Yet this you do have. He says, one more thing. Let me tell you one more thing that I do like about you. <laughs> he says that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. I'm going to tell you what that means. The Nicolaitans, that word Nicolae or, or that root word means to lord over. Okay? And what happened with the Nicolaitans is that they established this clergy versus laity operation. Okay? We're the clergy. You're the laity. We do the ministry. You watch us do the ministry. Okay? That's, these are the people that established that. And Jesus pointed, point blank said, okay, think about what he's saying. Do the things that you did at first. You're not, proclaim, you're not proclaiming the gospel. If the church is being accused of not proclaiming the gospel, and the church is one but many members, what he's in essence is he's saying to the angel that's leading that church is that your people are not preaching the gospel. Isn't that right? And then at the end he says, be careful because you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, but you're going down that path if your people aren't preaching the gospel. This I have against you, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The Nicolaitans were establishing this clergy versus laity thing. And if you think about it, that is what is predominant, uh, predominant in the church right now. Clergy gets it done, lady watches it happen. You just give your tithes, pay the guys who are going to do it, Platform when they do, go home, let's do it again next week. And the Lord says, I don't like that. It's not consistent with my heart. And you guys don't like it either. But it's kind of what's happening. There's a reason that he brought it up. When the people are not preaching the gospel, they are depending upon the preacher to preach the gospel. You picking up what I'm laying down? I say that not to berate anybody or hurt anybody's feelings, but to challenge us to put on that first love again, to love the Lord the way we did at first. And listen to me, I thought about this. There may be some of you that have never loved the Lord that way. I I never loved the Lord that way. Then find that love. Find that love. Read the gospel 
Read through Romans. Figure out just what it is that God has done for you through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son. Pick up the true meaning of the gospel. Read what he's done. Amen? Because you can't read that and not go, holy cow, that's what he did. And then be floored that he would do it for you. (laughs) I remember thinking, what? Why would he do that for me? Because my list was long. And he wiped it away just like that. And I knew it and I felt it. It was like Joshua the high priest. New robe. I got that new robe. Maybe you've never felt that new robe. Maybe you've never even understood the gospel at all. You're not even there. You're not, uh, how would we say it? You're not, you're not saved. You're not born again. You don't know the Lord. I want to encourage you. Read the gospel. Understand the gospel. Look what he's done for you. Amen. There is good news in our midst. And the church is failing to declare it. Let's stand.